This episode of CougarCast is brought to you by WaveformSleep.com. Go to WaveformSleep.com and sign up for their email list. It is your, it should be your next mattress, honestly. Uh, go check out Waveform Sleep. Check out their video explaining what it is. There are speakers inside of this mattress. So you just, you lay down on the mattress and it massages all over your body. It's pretty great. Beyond that, you know, you can watch it with a movie on. Uh, you know, you Bluetooth into the speakers within the bed. It's an awesome experience. You're going to want to check this out. And beyond that, even if it didn't have any speakers in it, it would be a luxury. So go check them out. Waveformsleep.com. Sign up for that email list. Some of you have done that. Thank you for doing that. They're excited about this partnership with CougarCast. So thank you for being great listeners. And now, it's time for CougarCast. Greetings. My name is Keith Schertz, and this is CougarCast. Uh, amazing opportunity to play a rivalry game against the Aggies of Utah State University up at Maverick Stadium. <laughs> in Logan, Utah, the old wagon wheel is at stake. The old wagon wheel has found its home up in Logan for two consecutive years. It may be up there for the third year. That's never happened. The old wagon wheel doesn't like being in Logan for three years, right? Come on. Wants to be back here in Provo. So, uh, it's been 1972, 73, 74. Last time, the last time BYU lost to the Aggies. Uh, three years in a row. It's been a long time going. So, 45. If you're 45 and younger, it's never happened in your life. Uh, it's never happened in my life. Hopefully, that's the sort of history we do not see. By the way, it's even longer since uh, BYU has lost to Utah State and Utah three consecutive years. That goes back into the 60s. It's been 56 years since that happened. They lost to them in 61, 62, and 63. Lost them both. They're on the verge of making some pretty significant history in a bad way, uh, should they fall. So, Obviously, I have foreshadowed what I think this Utah State game means to BYU and what it should mean about maybe the direction of the program and where we ought to go. I don't want to get too far down that road, but I genuinely feel if you lose three in a row to Utah State, that is a trend. And I wrote an article on vanquishthefoe.com about the implications of a loss to the Aggies for three straight years. So I won't get too far into that. I invite you to go to vanquishthefoe.com. Have a chance to take a look at it. 700 words. Just a, a brief little look over about what it means to define a program based on the results. Um, and so I think this is an enormous game for the BYU football program. Uh, a couple things to, to take away here. BYU's coming off a bye week, uh, an impressive victory against Boise State, undefeated Boise State. Uh, They went out there with their their first start for their quarterback, and uh, I think a little bit of hubris. I think that uh, they didn't build as much of a game plan for their backup quarterback. I thought the BYU football coaches outcoached Brian Harson. I think they did a, a, a fantastic job of of trying to get Baylor Romney ready and everything together for Romney so that he could uh, do the most that he could. They put him in positions to play well. He His yards per attempt were completely good. Um, and the other part is, is that they, you know, rolled the dice. <laughs> Look, their back is against the wall. They've lost two straight to mid to low tier group of five teams. They're now playing an undefeated Boise State team who's in the top 25. They're at home. They've got a chance to, you know, bring it back again in the minds of some people. And so they called a bunch of trick plays. And uh, one of those trick plays was called blitzing the quarterback. (laughs) 
they did this thing where uh, they brought five and sometimes even six people to go get the quarterback. Um, it was something that they almost never do. BYU had before the Boise State game one of the lowest rates of uh, blitz packages and and the calls of blitz packages among all teams in Division One football. BYU rarely did it. The other thing that kind of began to happen against Boise State is the Cougars were able to take away the run. And as they, first of all, there was an injury to the starting quarterback for Boise State. But the other thing that happened was, is as the run was taken away, and as BYU had Boise State in certain down and distances and positions, that defensive line started to win at the point of attack. They started to get pressure. So even without blitzes, they started to to get, you know, the Boise State backup in trouble. They had him thinking. They had him worried about what was going on. And they had those offensive linemen for Boise State. They weren't doing their job. So Bo- Boise just came out flat. They didn't play a very complete game. And yet BYU still hung on, um, you know, <laughs> despite a surge in the fourth quarter by Boise State. The Cougars found a way to kind of uh, keep it together through trick plays and some guts. It all came together. They were able to get a, a very nice victory, which just indicates to me uh, a couple things. One, uh, any complaints that anyone makes about the quality of the player that BYU has is a bogus complaint. It's one thing if you're playing LSU It's one thing if you're playing Alabama or Clemson or one of the top, 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 top blue blood level teams, okay? A perennial top 10, top 15 team, okay, fine, fine. But BYU and its recruiting and what they've, they've, they're getting the kind of player that they've always been able to get. They've always been able to have guys that are like what we have now. There isn't this huge drop-off. Occasionally, you get special guys like Austin Colley and Dennis Pitta and uh, uh, Harvey Unga, right? And, and and you have a collection of them all together, and, and things really come together. Occasionally, that'll happen. But generally speaking, BYU always has a couple really good weapons and then a bunch of guys that are really pretty darn good. And they're able to play football. <laughs> and this is why I think BYU has tended to have this really stable line of, of good football since, you know, 1975. The, 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 Cougars, the Cougars have been able to put together, you know, decades of, of really strong, stable football with only a few, you know, kind of significant down, year, down years. Uh, very few losing seasons, almost always winning seasons, and almost... A consistent expectation of of the Cougars being able to beat um, a certain kind or certain type of team. I think that that is due to uh, a couple things. Uh, the coaching that BYU has had has been good. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall is a very good coach, and his staff was very good. Obviously, Lavelle Edwards is Lavelle freaking Edwards. So. They, they've had that benefit. The, the other thing that the Cougars have is that they have an LDS church pipeline. And because of it, Bronco Menhall argues, he even argued this year during one of his interviews, that the standards of the honor code actually were a recruiting advantage. So anyway, I've seen a lot of conversation about... You know, Kalani, I mean, anyway, Kalani can't get the guys that he wants to. They won't let him bring in certain kind of kids. And it's because they have an honor code and it's because they have, you know, uh, a grades and school requirement. And my my point is, is, is that the, the Cougars have always got a certain kind of player, a certain caliber of player, and have been able to function with that kind and caliber of player. Um, and... It shows that when they're well-schemed, when they're disciplined, and when they make a few plays, they can they can play with USC. They can hold tight long enough and fight hard enough to figure out how to pull out of nowhere a win against Tennessee. And 
they can beat a, a Boise State, an undefeated Boise State team, who, who's very good, right? They're good at all levels. Boise State came in with a bad game plan. They believed in their backup too much. Uh, they didn't seem to have a solution to the fact that BYU was going to try something different, and the Cougar coaching staff caught Boise State on their heels. There's one other factor that I'm just sorry it is a thing. Pay attention to this, but anytime there's terrible uh, rainstorms and thunderstorms before a football game, whoever the home team is wins. Almost always. I'm just telling you that BYU had the right size cleats and, and Boise didn't. <laughs> and they slipped around a little more and they looked a little bit slower. Those things matter. It's what happened before we played Tennessee. Or excuse me. It's what happened before we played Texas. Um, in, I think, what was it, 2014? Maybe 20, no, 2014, I think is right. It's what happened before we played at Virginia, a bad Virginia team for a season opener. It was an absolutely terrible torrential rainstorm. The Cougars end up losing that game. I think that what happens is if there's a really, really bad rainstorm, the home team almost always wins. Almost always. So, uh, you know, we got to look up at the skies and, and thank the big man for a little help there, a little assist. Um I, I just think that, that that just tends to happen, that you can make equipment changes on the fly relatively quickly uh, when you're in your own buildings and, and have your whole equipment staff there and, and ready to roll. Um, you just can't do that when you're on the road. You just can't. So I, I think that, especially when the, when the rainstorm happens, like just before kickoff, as it did uh, against Boise. So I, I just think that... Uh, a really fascinating game. Uh, I thought that the strategy went well. I thought being home really helped. And, and I thought that the weather helped them. And I, I think that the Cougars earned a win uh, by being creative and doing doing things that were unorthodox and uh, surprising their opponents. So congratulations to them. Uh, but it, it really puts a huge focus on the idea that I don't think that this is a player issue. I don't think the loss to Toledo, the loss to, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to South Florida, I, I don't really see those as player issues. Uh, and I think that that was illuminated further from the result against Boise State. They have the talent. They have what they need in order to have a successful football team. I, I genuinely believe that. At the beginning of the episode, you may have recognized the theme I wanted to maybe address as it relates to this episode of CougarCast. Um, it is, of course, the love anthem between Padme and Anakin from Attack of the Clones, Episode 2 of the Star Wars Saga. In anticipation of Episode 9 coming out and of The Mandalorian coming out, I'm very excited about all this. Um, I started re-watching all the Star Wars. We're going to get slightly geeky. I'm assuming that you've watched... A little bit of Star Wars. I'm not going to go too deep here. Just bear with me. If BYU and being a BYU fan is it like anything, it's like being Padme Amidala. Uh, I'm not totally sold on the idea that Anakin is a catch. I don't know exactly what Padme ever saw in Anakin. She's a princess from a beautiful planet. He is a former slave from a terrible planet. Uh, and so, but they came across, uh, he came on strong with this, are you an A? Are you an angel? Uh, and from, so the, from absolutely opposite and different worlds come Padme and Anakin. Uh, but it's irresistible uh, from the time that she meets uh, Anakin, who's nine, and I think she's 14 at the time, so she's five years older, but there's just some charm, there's just something about that boy, uh, perhaps it was the off-the-chart midichlorian count, uh, that, uh, impregnated his mother, uh, I don't know, <laughs> whatever the case is, she is, uh, taken, uh, with Anakin, mostly because Anakin is just, 
so in the bag for Padme. Uh, Padme is it. Uh, Anakin may not even know that anyone else uh, exists on the planet so far as it seems. Um, and, you know, this slowly had that relentlessness, that relentless intensity and desire for Padme just kind of slowly the life chooses Padme basically she gets sucked into it and I you know here's the thing like she's pretty eligible I feel like you know she's been in an important part of the world galaxy order the galaxy's order has been shaped by Padme and you know she's brave she's beautiful she's got all this thing going for her and yet she just somehow is going for this this younger uh tantalizingly skilled gifted uh force sensitive boy who <laughs> who despite himself is tortured absolutely tortured by the uh idea that uh anyway so I just wanted to say that it kind of reminds me, <laughs> all of this reminds me of kind of what it's like to be a fan in general, but just to, to be a BYU fan, it, it, it sort of picks you. It's like destiny. Uh, if you are, uh, if you, if you're around it and you feel uh, a couple of the things of, of, of what it's like to enjoy BYU, to like BYU, and to kind of see what it's about. You probably grew up at a time cheering for BYU teams that were quite good. Uh, they, they played exciting football that made you love the sport. Uh, and and it, was all, it was all very exciting. Uh, and then what's happened is, is uh, recently I feel like we've been going through what happens in Attack of the Clones. We've been going through things like the, the Tuscan incident. Let's just call it that. Um, basically, uh, because Anakin, first of all, he hates sand. Hates sand. So is he a catch? I mean, he, he doesn't even like going to the beach with you. Uh, it, it, <laughs> uh, I'm just not sold that he's a catch. Just in general. Uh, you know, doesn't seem very smooth uh, with the ladies. He's, his intensity is, is terrifying. It, it would scare me. Um, the, the thing is, he hates sand. So, of course, he hates the sand people. He hates them, of course, even more. When his mother, who he left, who he was forced by the Jedi to leave behind as a slave, even though he was made free, he vows to go back and save her. He never actually does that. She dies in control of some Tusken Raiders. And upon finding this out, he becomes a insane murderer who comes back and sits with Padme. And, and here's the exchange. She goes, she can tell something's up. This is from the script of episode two. She says, what's wrong, Annie? I, I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children too. They're like animals and I slaughtered them like the animals. And I hate them. <sighs> okay, so. Upon finding out that a, <laughs> her boyfriend has committed genocide, <laughs> killed an entire group of people, Padme chillingly looks past the fact that this is a war criminal, <laughs> a, a ruthless, disgusting war criminal, and chillingly just says, to be angry is to be human. <laughs> so, I feel like, I feel like Padme, I feel like it's hard for BYU fans, it's hard for me, it's hard for a lot of us to recognize the terribleness that the things that we love may do and to recognize that we should, <laughs> we, that needs to be adjusted, needs to be fixed. So, so, 
Now this is a leap here, okay? All of this is a leap. If you're still with me, God bless you. The long story made shorter is that despite watching things get worse and worse at BYU football and and all this, we all love it. We all care about it so much. We want it to be amazing. We want it to be the chosen one. Sometimes it's just not on the path to being the chosen one. And let me tell you something. The BYU fan version, the Padme version of the Tuscan incident, the Tuscan incident may occur again. Three losses in a row to Utah State is the Tuscan incident. Okay, it is. It is. It's literally the same. It is as bad as it should be. Once upon a time, a loss to Utah State meant that somebody was getting fired. Three in a row, it meant that the defensive coordinator got fired instantly after after Bronco Menahal said, Jaime Hill, get out of here. We should never lose to <laughs> you should never lose to Utah State. We must do something to change the course of everything that's going on. I worry significantly that if we were to lose in Logan this Saturday, we would <laughs> come back and chillingly say to be angry is to be human. That we're just, we're just, we're in love. We're here. We're just going to go with it and <laughs> accept our fate. <laughs> oh. Next thing we know, we're stuck with this separatist who thinks that they know better. They don't need anyone. They could be on their own. We'll eventually... <laughs> By the way, is the Tuscan incident the moment that she decided to secretly marry <laughs> Anakin? Anyway, and that one day we'll, ha we'll have to say, you broke my heart and we'll eventually be, we'll eventually be killed. Eventually be killed by it. And darkness will win. Win over the thing that once was just a, a, a sweet, sweet part of our childhoods. <laughs> All right. So listen, I, I do think that uh, BYU... Uh, obviously, it's a, it's kind of a... I've been saying it. I've been building to it. It's kind of a pivotal moment. It's a really, really huge moment. Avoiding uh, that uh, will be big. Okay, we've covered that enough. So the question is, how do you play against Utah State and win? And can BYU do that? We'll talk about that in just one moment. The Utah State Aggies. Uh, you know, look, this is a much improved program, much improved team over the last uh, several years. Obviously, Matt Wells left to go coach down in Texas, Texas Tech University. And Gary Anderson is back after leaving the Aggies to go to Wisconsin, where then he left to go to Oregon State, which he then failed at and is now back at Utah State. So, weird journey for Gary Anderson, but Gary Anderson's the the catalyst that caused the Aggies to start climbing up. And you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is both both parties have found themselves hat in hand, just you know, trying to say, "Take me back." <laughs> it's a perfect marriage. They're deserving of one another, uh, and uh, maybe it's it's the correct fit. It is. Uh, Anyway, so we will be, uh, you know, taking a look at what the Aggies do. Let's talk about handling and taking care of Utah State. So first of all, um, I think it's important for us to remember just briefly what the Aggies have brought to the table this season and, and what their accomplishments have been. They, they lost a road game by three to Wake Forest, 35 uh, to 38 in favor of the, the Demon Deacons. Uh, handled Stony Brook, no problem at home. They uh, got a nice road win over San Diego State. Uh, then they played Colorado State one by ten. Uh, got stomped by LSU, understandable. 
uh, played Nevada very strong, 36-10 win at home. Uh, the following week, they played Air Force and got stomped. And that's the big result here. This is the one that doesn't quite add up or seems a little bit strange. Now, Air Force is a very talented team this year. That's a very good Air Force team. And, of course, handling things like their option attack and some of the things that Air Force does. Air Force's offense this year, by the way, it's so interesting uh, what they're doing. I, obviously, the option... Uh, can be incredible when it's executed at a high level. They've got some good athletes there. And then they're adding little extra wrinkles, different little looks. Uh, they're throwing a little more than most option teams do. And Air Force is a tricky team. That That's a, you know, you pair a nice option attack with the ability to surprise with some really sophisticated and, and good passing schemes. Uh, that's Air Force. Utah State was caught off guard by that, and they got absolutely smoked. 31 to 7 and that's the big shocker the big shocker is is how did utah state only manage seven points against air force uh they got six against lsu <laughs> now they've been struggling more recently uh to find points uh but part of that is is honestly i think two things the first thing is of course they were going to struggle against lsu i'm going to throw that game out but the, the bigger thing is, is that I feel like Utah State has kind of shown their cards. I, I don't think that Utah State uh, is doing much to innovate offensively. They've kind of become stagnant. They're halfway through the season. And it's, they've shown their hands, and they, they're kind of what they are. Now, the question is, is will Utah State pull out the big guns to try to beat BYU? The answer is, of course they will. Also, after kind of a shattering loss to Air Force, I see the Aggies being in a position where they will make sure that they give a few different looks and try to confuse what's going on for BYU. But here's the really interesting part. One of the things that I thought worked very well against Boise State, and it's one of the reasons that Boise State then got comfortable in the fourth quarter and started pushing back, was that the Cougars blitzed a lot <laughs> and they had their highest percentage of, of blitz packages against Boise State and then in the fourth quarter they went back to kind of being what they were they they didn't blitz any further and what ended up happening is you know we saw that Boise State made a run here's the the real interesting part about the Aggies I, I think what happened not it's not what I think what happened against Air Force is that Air Force decided to go and rush three or four. They didn't worry about getting pressure on the quarterback. Pressure, by the way, uh, has only been really handed out to Jordan Love against Wake Forest, San Diego State, and LSU. Now, of course, pressure makes every quarterback worse. But it was particularly shocking to see how... Air Force was able to know and understand what it is that Utah's state's design are. And then after that, by dropping back eight guys, dropping back seven guys, doing the Elisa Tuiaki special, it really forced Love into playing less athletically. He took more time than he was comfortable with. He had to check down on his reads. And honestly, that was that was the main point. If you're going to beat Utah State, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to have to control their offense because their defense gives a, a certain look. They are um, they are gettable. Air Force got 31 against them. A lot of teams have scored, uh, you know, quite a few points. Colorado State had 24. They had a good performance against Nevada, but m most teams have been able to to score some points and and and. For the Cougars to score points is going to require a lot of what they did against Boise. I don't know. Hasn't been announced. They're trying to keep it real close to the vest. They've had another bye week to get things together. Baylor Romney, I think, should start. He he went and got a, a win against Boise State. Um, you know, Jaron Hall uh, it should be clear to play, but he didn't win. Like, I, I feel like, you know, that, those things, I guess, are relative. And, um, 
But what they did do for Baylor Romney that they didn't do for Jaron Hall is that they they really game planned in a way to allow the scheme to be the star. They they didn't count on Baylor Romney to be the best player on the field like they did with Jaron Hall against USF. Jaron Hall's job was to be the best guy out there, and he scrambled all over the place, and he had that long touchdown run, and he was super athletic and capable of some of those things. Uh, against Boise State, you know, uh, the pair of trick plays, it can't be overstated enough. The, the trick plays were huge, and Baylor Romney managed that game. He made no mistakes, and he did, you know, everything that he, he needed to do to put the Cougars in a position to win. He, he, he played very well. That was putting together a scheme based on the personnel he had available to them. And I think that that was maybe the first game all year that has really been structured in that way. Before they looked to Tyson Williams to win games. They looked for Zach Wilson to win games. Against Boise, they looked for all 11 guys on that offensive side to go out and make plays and and through play calling and, and through game plan, be able to figure out how to manufacture points they were able to do that. And and I think that was really important. I think the same thing has to happen against Utah State. I think it's going to have to be high level execution, very low on the uh, massive mistake front. And then, you know, calling trick plays or having certain looks that result in chunk yardage that include, you know, getting it all the way into the house. I, I, I feel like having big plays is BYU's way out of this. And if that needs to be done through trick plays, then the Cougars should be doing trick plays. Two or three of them like they did against Boise State. I think absolutely you should see those against Utah State. They need to come at the right moments and the Cougars got to execute them well. They did that against Boise State. That would be the way to get points against Boise State. I, I don't see being able to methodically and physically drive down the field and out-execute with your timing routes and you know expect that Shumway is going to get loose and be able to go deep and we're going to connect on that and i you know bushman can be a target and and all these things through the middle i just don't expect a lot of layering passes i don't expect those kind of middle middle passes i don't really expect too many deep passes unless it is absolutely crystal clearly wide um i you know i just don't see us being able to nickel and dime and run and run and run and run i think utah state's solid enough i think gary anderson's solid enough as a coach, to be able to figure out how to disrupt and make things difficult um, for Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall. The the points that come on the board are going to have to come through creativity and short fields. So again, this is defense, defense, defense. Defense is going to have to force short fields. They're going to have to force some turnovers. And the thing that Air Force did that really bothered Jordan Love was they dropped everyone back. They did the Elisa Tuiaki special. They didn't blitz. They they stayed in coverage and they relied on three or four to get home to the quarterback. And as they did that, they had a lot of success. So getting to the quarterback is important because every quarterback plays bad with no pressure. What Air Force proved was that Jordan Love, when he had to play more cerebrally, when he didn't just have to be an athlete who made a read at the line and, you know, had a certain timing to things, he, he had a problem. When there was eight dropping back, he had to go through his progressions, he had to dump short, and they had to tackle. And, and what ended up happening is, it's the thing that I've talked about. This is kind of the brilliance of the Elisa Tuiaki defense in its way, is that it, it enabled... Air Force to make each drive excruciating. It just became every single play became, you know, this difficult thing. And so you could get three, maybe four yards. The question is, is could you go without any uh, holdings? Could you go without any trop passes? Could you go? And the, and the truth is, is that Utah State can't. They can't. And so getting him uncomfortable, either through pressure or or by causing him to play more cerebrally and, and, and think more than feel. He's a think, you know, if you get him to think more than, he, than he's feeling the game, you're doing really well. That's what Air Force did. And Utah State hasn't really become 
they've become predictable. They were quite predictable against Air Force. Air Force didn't have to do a whole lot. All their linebackers, all their safeties knew what they needed to do and what spaces they needed to occupy and what sort of packages and route routes that they like to run in, in, in conjunction with one another. And then the other thing that they did really well, of course, they, they rallied to the ball and they tackled well. So that all resulted in, in seven points. The, 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 the Air Force caused every single offensive drive for Utah State to, to be a marathon rather than a sprint. They, they caused it to be an absolute grind. And that is really the philosophy that BYU has, has taken in almost all their games. And I praise them for getting away from that against Boise State. But maybe because it worked so well for Air Force, I think, I think it might be worth going back to the Tuiaki special and sitting back and, and causing things to develop in that way. Um, because, uh, the you know, look, of the teams that have tried to bring the pressure and give Jordan Love problems, okay, and that have even been successful in doing that, Wake Forest was relatively successful in getting to Jordan Love and giving pressure and hitting him. Utah State still scored 35 points on the road. San Diego State put pressure on Jordan Love. He scored 23 points, right? And then, of course, LSU got to him, and they, they caused him all sorts of problems, right? 42-6. to six. So I, I do think that that's kind of the thing that you look at is, is they, even when you go the pressure route, Jordan Love is able to make some reads, go off those reads, and still execute in a way that opens up field-changing plays and point-producing plays for the Aggies. Um, the, the one team that has tried to be a coverage-hawking team was Air Force, and it worked a charm. It worked an absolute charm. So maybe you try to copy what Air Force did. It's what your team has done all year. Um, and is it possible to be super coverage-based and limit the run and, and be able to stop Utah State from being able to run the football? It, it's a very important question. There's a lot... There's a lot to that, um, and I think that it will. I think that it will be, you know, critical to see th- that the Cougars can do that. Now, I again, like I said, I expect Utah State to have figured out ways that they can <laughs> help Jordan Love when there is so much coverage, and I would expect that they're thinking the way that I'm thinking that that BYU is going to probably try to be coverage-based. So it becomes real important for them to really expose BYU on the ground. Uh, so they're going to look to Bright. They're going to look to Warren. They're going to look to maybe even Riley Burt. Um, they're going to look to these guys to try to punish the Cougars on the ground and and make things you know <laughs> hard to be in massive coverage if if you're able to move the football on the ground. Does that make sense? You you can counter that movement by punishing them for dropping back and, and you know, and, and gain six, seven yards per carry. And, and the next thing you know, you can't be back in coverage again. And now we're back to where Jordan Love is, is real comfortable. So uh, that's the challenge for the BYU defense is how do you play this take away the big play coverage, make Jordan Love think, while also making it so that you're averaging three yards or less uh, per run. It, it's a very difficult thing to do, but we will see that the, the Cougars, if they're able to do that, they will be able to control that game. They'll be able to control Utah State. It's going to force a lot of decision-making, and in particular, that's the other place, this this Jordan Love is super talented. BYU should be scared of him because he roasted us last year. But this year, he, he's got a negative interception to touchdown ratio. Um, he's only 6.6 yards per attempt. This isn't a world beater, guys. He's eminently beatable. Get him in his head. Make him think. Cover, 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 cover. And he's going to try to press. 
And when he presses, he makes mistakes more than he hurts you. Nine interceptions to eight touchdown passes. He's, he's just not been good enough. He's played a couple really talented teams. But the, the Cougars ought to be able to do enough to cause them problems. They have a, a whole group of receivers where like, I don't really feel like any of them are, are particularly scary. I, none of them are... They're like BYU's receivers. Like They have moments where it looks good, except for BYU has one guy and, and Matt Bushman. I don't really feel like you know Utah State presents uh, somebody in the receiving game of that quality. Mariner is their best uh, receiver. He's you know relatively explosive ish. He's explosive ish. He he's not a guy that I I see burning you deep down the field. So maybe that's a way that BYU can cheat up a little bit. Yes, you're in coverage. Yes, you need to stay back if you're a safety. Yes, you got to handle your business and, and make sure you stay assignment sound. Hopefully, we're not just watching people <laughs> on that broken coverage. Uh, wow. You remember Bo Tanner? Oh, my gosh. That was uh, that was one of the weirder things we've seen this year against South Florida. But I, I just maybe you don't have to play as aggressively in your conservative coverage uh, on the back end. Maybe you can come up a little quicker if you're a safety because you don't have to cheat back as much because uh personally I'm I'm and I hope you know I hope we don't have to eat this. I hope I don't have to eat this. But you know, CLC Mar Mariner, uh Devin Tompkins, I, Scarver, like I'm not scared of these guys. <laughs> they they I'm they're not worrying to me. Nathan in the slot, like I don't worry about any of these guys. I the you know so you can cheat forward maybe a little bit have coverage but have your guys play up a little bit come up forward another three yards two yards that, there's an adjustment we'll see what happens um i think that that would make it more difficult to to run in a, in a significant way um and i think that that's precisely what air force bet on that resulted in the seven points. They, they looked at that receiving core of Utah State and said, we we could cover these guys. It's no problem. Right? Well, for heaven's sakes, Fair Force can do it. BYU can do it too. So uh, you're going to see a lot of people, I'm, I'm, you know, this isn't just a zag. This is, this is legitimately how I think BYU ought to play. I, I think that the Cougars should continue to kind of play that conservative try to get there with three or four style and and try to make you know try to make Jordan Love think his way through it and you know if if those receivers can beat you enough times over that game I just don't think that they can but if the combination of that quarterback thinking and thinking and thinking and then those receivers making a play I just don't think that that's going to happen enough to really total a, a, a huge amount of points and in a game where offensively you're counting on short fields and then cobbling together points through busted plays, big plays of your own, maybe even trick plays, you know, you're, you're busy just trying to figure out how to manufacture 28 points. If you can do that, if you can find a way to manufacture those points, I think that by rushing for playing conservative and doing that, you have a real chance to beat Utah State. And you really ought to beat Utah State. And I know it's at their building. And it's going to be cold and all of those things. But I, I really feel like this is a, a very gettable game for the Cougars. Should they be able to find the creativity uh, offensively? And, you know, the thing that I saw as well is, you know, they were just gutsy. They, they knew they had nothing to lose. They just lost to Toledo and USF. Like... The Cougars should be really fresh. That's another one. It's like we've gone by week, Boise, by week, Utah State. We should be fresh. So this should be a pretty healthy BYU team. Uh, Utah State should be more beat up. Like, honestly, we're going to have the fresher team, the more rested team, 
We've had more time to prepare and see and get ready for this game. The way to stop Utah State's offense is by playing BYU's ideal way of playing defense. <laughs> like, their offense struggles the most against our sort of style of defense. And then everybody has been able to score enough points against Utah State. Everybody, right? I mean, the lowest amount of points is 10 by by Nevada, right? But, but uh, you know, San Diego State had 17. Colorado State had 24. Like, you know, you got a negative turn of interception to TD ratio guy, right? It's more, more likely to throw a pick than he is a touchdown pass. Cougar, Cougars out of uh, this, just, you know, their offense plays into our hands defensively. That's the side of the ball that's going to be most important in determining whether or not the Cougars win or not because they're going to be crucial to getting short fields. And, and that'll, that'll be really important. Here's where it falls apart for BYU. I think... One of two things. Number one would be the offense being completely baffled by Gary Anderson. Uh, that they they just literally get to a point, if that offensive line can't protect and we're dropping passes and stuff, there's a chance that it's just full meltdown offensively and and we can't figure anything out and, you know... That that's in play, so that's that's number one. I'm I'm scared of being able to manufacture the points, but manufacturing the points won't matter if we can't figure out how to stop them from scoring. So I, I still stand by. I think I think what we do defensively is going to be huge. So short, you know. But I do think it, with short fields we'll get it. And the other one is uh, the other place you can get beat here is Utah State has a pretty good return te- team. They do a pretty good job getting field position on special teams. And that's a place where I, I think you ought to worry. That, that's a place where I think the Cougars could, could find themselves in trouble if they're not careful. So, yeah. But I, I look at this game and I look at who Utah State has and they have a few nice players. None of them are particularly having a great season. And yet they're cobbling together wins. Like, I mean, that tells you where they are. They're they're good enough to win games when they don't play well. So there's that. They lost to an Air Force team that's having a really good year. Um, but you know they haven't had a particularly, you know, strong strong year, and yet they're they're winning these games against Colorado State and Nevada and. And and they had a good win. That win at San Diego State's a really good win. So, you know, they, they've they've been able to win without playing particularly well. They haven't had huge games from any particular performer. That matters. And I and I feel like the the, the why ha- haven't, right? They've either had to play out of their minds and then they win. Or they've either needed some sort of crazy out of nowhere play, and then they've won, and that's it. So I mean, it's like kind of a miracle, and that's how you beat Tennessee, and then you play out of your minds, and that's how you beat Boise State and, and USC. And then when you're not playing particularly well, they they don't have a way of finding it. This is the thing that's so tough, right? Is is you just don't know what. I guess that's option three. You just don't know what you're gonna get. From BYU, which is why for two years now I've been calling it the Kalani Coaster. You, you, you just don't know. They may just go up there and just be awful. <laughs> right? That, 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 that's also in play. You know, people, once again, I saw a lot of people saying, okay, well, he beat Boise. I know he lost to USF. I know he lost to... But he beat Boise, extend Kalani. And mine is, is, let's just see what happens against Utah State. Let's see what happens against Liberty. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of, a lot more games to, to kind of, you know, before we make, I guess, w- a decision one way or the other. Though you all know 
kind of where I'm leaning. I, I think that without getting much further into that, if you lose three times in a row to Utah State, that should be enough. That should be enough. BYU ought to be able to beat Utah State. <laughs> and uh and and so that that'll be the the crucial the crucial uh part of this game it, it's so important but i i see this we ought to be able to beat utah state and like i said for all the other reasons there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to think the cougars should be fine here really truly i think that uh, you know i think that utah state will struggle offensively really do i think byu will have opportunity to score points uh I think that if you know if they're if they're wise with what they do, they'll 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 figure things out. And uh, to me, again, just like uh, you know, I mean, this is a, another example of you know. I feel like we've got obviously we've got more resources, we've got more tradition, we've got better recruits, we've you know we've got all this stuff in our favor. Their offense plays into our hands defensively. Like this is uh, this is a game you really ought to win. So I'm excited to see what happens. I think that there's a real good chance that the Cougars will win. Uh, but again, you just can't count on anything. Who knows? The ups and downs are so violent uh, right now. And uh, and. Uh, what you just heard me weighing the ups and downs like that and all that stuff. That was pretty Padme Amidala-ish, wasn't it? All right. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if that worked or not, but it's something that I was thinking about. So there you go. Hopefully some of you liked it. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. And uh, make sure that you read all the articles on VanquishTheFoe.com. And uh, take care of yourselves. And go Cougars.